Sarah, our sponsor Vionic is back today with their Vionic Vitals collection. These shoes are the most essential styles for everyday wear to get us ready for spring, which will be here before we know it. We've already talked about my Uptown Loafers and Willa Slip On Flat and your Chardonnay Heeled Sandal, but this collection also includes the Walk 23 Classic Sneaker. That is that unapologetic dad sneaker style that's so popular right now. And I was just thinking having all four styles would basically be like having a spring capsule wardrobe for your feet. Oh my gosh, that is actually such a genius idea, Megan. I love where you're going with this. You know, high quality shoes are such a classy way to elevate your wardrobe. And the styles in the Vionic Vitals collection really can be worn in your everyday mom life, whether you're running errands or dressing up for an occasion. Yeah, and let's talk about the comfort factor, Sarah. Vionic actually got started by revolutionizing medical orthotics. Today, they continue to use that science to make cute and comfortable shoes that can keep up with our active lifestyles. Use code THEMOMHOUR15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at vionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's one-time use only. Vionic Shoes, wearable well-being for your feet. Hi, I'm Sarah. And I'm Megan. We're two moms with eight kids between us, from little to grown. We're in different areas of the country and in different stages of life. But we both know that motherhood's a lot easier when real moms share tips and encouragement. And remind you that it's really all going to be okay. We're not experts. We're parents who've been there. We're not perfect. We're real. Welcome to the Mom Hour. Hey, everyone, and welcome to the Mom Hour. This is Sarah Powers, and you are listening to one of our monthly Voices interview episodes. I am so excited for you guys to hear today's conversation that I had with Stacey Billis and Megan Splon. They are the co-hosts of the podcast, Didn't I Just Feed You?, which, as we discussed, is one of the best names for a podcast that I think I have ever heard. Didn't I Just Feed You? is a podcast for parents who are feeding busy families. Stacey and Megan are both foodies, food writers, content creators, cookbook authors all around feeding a family nutritiously, but with a healthy dose of what Megan and I around here like to call real life. And what I mean by that is you are not going to hear judgment in this interview. You are going to hear a whole lot of inclusion and acceptance wherever you are in feeding your kids, picky kids, not picky kids. We have a whole discussion about that challenge, about meal planning, and all of the challenges that those of us feeding families face. It's such a fun conversation. It even goes a little long. You guys are not going to want to miss any of it. We're keeping it all in. I couldn't edit any out because it's so much fun. We laugh a lot. You're just going to get so many great tips for fall and for back to school for feeding your family. I know I came away super inspired, super motivated, and most of all, just not feeling bad about what I'm already doing in the kitchen and putting on the table for my family. So really great episode to kick off fall. Also want to mention, do not miss the show notes for this episode because in our conversation, Stacy and Megan and I talk about a whole bunch of recipes and podcast episodes and articles and tips that are on their various websites. So definitely bookmark the show notes or head to themomhour.com to get all of those links as we talk about them through the episode. You're going to want to check them out. Megan, spring is one of our family's busiest seasons with tons of time on the go. There are so many places to be and details to remember. And the last thing I need is the constant irritation of uncomfortable shoes. So today we're talking about the Vionic Vitals collection from our longtime sponsor, Vionic Shoes. These are the best essential shoe styles for everyday wear this season. So Katie on our team is getting ready for warmer weather in Chicagoland with a pair of Vionic's Bella Toe Post sandals. These are Vionic's best-selling flip-flop style, and they have a cute little bow on them. 
They come in nine great colors, but Katie chose a versatile black patent leather. They're super supportive for her high instep, and they even come in wide sizes, which is a great option. Yeah, the styles in the Vionic Vitals collection are classics that don't really go out of fashion. And because they're such great quality, they're going to last as well, even with daily wear, which mine definitely get. And I love that Vionic offers a 30-day guarantee. Wear them, love them, or return them for a full refund within 30 days. But I have a feeling after those 30 days, our listeners will love their Vionic shoes so much they'll be ready to order another pair. Use code themomhour 15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at Vionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's a one-time use only. Bionic Shoes, wearable well-being for your feet. This episode is sponsored by Olive in June. And Sarah, I am just so grateful that I have mastered the art of doing my nails at home. When I look down at my cute manicure, I feel a little more pulled together no matter how crazy life is at the moment. Thankfully, Olive and June's Manny system makes it so easy and affordable to make Manny time a regular part of my weekly routine. Well, I know the feeling, Megan, and I think it's so fun that with Olive and June, you get to customize your Manny system with your choice of six polishes, plus their top coat is included. So Katie on our team says that she has lately been layering some of their iridescent colors over their gel-like polishes, and the final result looks super shimmery and pretty. I might have to try that this spring. Yeah, and Olive and June press-ons are another cool option. They look so real, and I think it would be a great way to test out another nail shape. A long almond shape is popular right now, and I'm kind of curious what that would look like on me. Okay, well, keep me posted on that one. Listeners, visit oliveandjune.com slash themomhour for 20% off your first Manny system. That's O-L-I-V-E-A-N-D-J-U-N-E dot com slash T-H-E-M-O-M-H-O-U-R for 20% off your first Manny system. All right, guys, just a reminder, again, you can find all of the information about our sponsors and about the great resources that you're going to hear from Megan and Stacy of Didn't I Just Feed You About. All of that is at themomhour.com. And here is my interview with Stacy Billis and Megan Splon. Hey, Stacy. Hey, Megan. Welcome to the Mom Hour. Hi. Thank you for having us. Super excited about this. Um, so we have a lot to get to. I'm going to dive right in. But first, I kind of want to know who lives in your homes. And we're talking about feeding a family today. So let's get to know your families and who you are responsible for feeding at home. So Megan, let's start with you. Yeah, I'll jump right in. Um, I have a little family of four, including a dog. <laughs> I have a second grader, Ella. Um, she loves to cook and she thinks she has a YouTube cooking show. I haven't broken to her that it's mostly on mom's Instagram highlights. <laughs> and, and then I have Emmett, who's my preschooler. He'll be five this year. Um, and he doesn't really like meals. He's more of a snack guy. And then my husband um, is a freelancer, which I mentioned because as we're talking about feeding families, his sort of erratic schedule is not great for family meals. And so that makes how we feed our family together a little more challenging. Well, I can, um, first of all, relate to Emmett because I also prefer snacks over meals. Um, (laughs) But I think a lot of our listeners have unique uh, work situations going on. So a lot of people can relate to that. Okay, Stacey, who is in your house? And where is your house? (laughs) I can't even believe, Megan, that I never really put it together that because Brian's a freelancer, that that impacts how you meal plan. I know that's so stupid given that we record a <laughs> weekly show together about Wait, didn't our we record a whole episode of Didn't I Just Feed You about this, about the like um, 
mental labor of feeding our families and how we my husband did. can't take a ton of it on. I know, but you ended up speaking more about like breakfast. Yeah. I don't know. True. I just never put the pieces together. But that's anyway, the that's reason why. There you go. <laughs> and that's a great episode that I think gives some people um good. Yes, that was a us. good one. I listened to that one. Um, but anyway, I'm in Brooklyn, New York City, and <laughs> talk about the labor of feeding your family. I I'm the only one who cooks. My husband cooks one thing and he does a killer job, but like that's literally all he does. In fact, I think we've spoken on Didn't I Just Feed You about how I really have had to step away from calling it my kitchen mm. and like <laughs> claiming ownership to the point where my boys are scared to go in there because it's <laughs> just mine. Because um, that now that my boys are older has turned out to have a little bit of a like sharp edge that works against me. So. Isaac is 12 and Oliver is nine and my husband is six, four and loves to eat. And the boys seem to have um, inherited their, his height and appetite. <laughs> that is a house full of large growing yeah. males. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I feel like there's always snacking. There's always cooking. Thankfully, Oliver likes to cook too, but this is sort of a new thing. Yeah. Um, and he is not the child in our family who's like super consistent and follow through friendly. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll see how long that lasts. Yeah. And then the one who is super consistent and follows through with everything he says always is Isaac, the older one. And he doesn't like to cook. He just really likes to eat. I love that. Um, I love yeah. that your your husband's height played into this as like a, a data oh, point yeah. that like I'm feeding three people, but one of them is extra large. Yeah. And he <laughs> constantly reminds me that like Isaac's on the precipice of being also an extra large, like empty hole of hungerness. Right. Right. <laughs> that makes any sense. No, I I, I hear tell. <laughs> my Megan, my co-host Megan has four boys, the youngest of which is 13. So she has seen this play out. A number yeah. of times. Yeah. It's crazy. I'm yeah. pretty sure I'm going to need another fridge soon. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> um, okay. Well, just in case anybody's hopping over new or is new to our show and for you guys, I am right in the middle of you guys with eight kids ages, um, not geographically. I am in Southern California and um, <laughs> I have an 11, nine and six and a half. So sixth grade, fourth grade, first grade, um, girl, boy, girl. My husband it does work a pretty conveniently regular schedule and loves to cook. I'm very lucky Ooh, in that arena. Nice. Doesn't doesn't solve everything. We'll get into some no. of my meal planning challenges in a bit. But um, yeah, I mean, um, our regular listeners kind of know know my family makeup. But I thought I'd throw it out there for anybody who's new. So we're all we're all feeding kids between preschool and middle school, and a whole bunch of them. I love it. Yeah. Okay. And then before we get any further, just so that everybody gets to know you guys a little bit, you're both full-time foodie writer people, foodie content creator people. So where might, <laughs> where might our listeners maybe already know you from or where might they find you? Stacey, how about we start with you? Yeah, sure. So I have been a food writer editor for, it feels like a million years, but you know, <laughs> my older son recently called me out on constantly talking about how old I am. So I'm not going to say okay. that anymore. Okay. So, um, I have my own website. It's stacybillis.com. If people like old school blog, you're familiar with that world. I had one hungry mama for a really long mm -hmm. time. Um, I've contributed to tons of magazines and parenting sites. I have a cookbook called make it easy. 
um, that's available on Amazon, obviously, and pretty much wherever you get your cookbooks. We will link that up, of course, and everything we talk to talk about. Yeah. And now weekly, they can find me with Megan. Didn't I just feed you wherever you get podcasts and our site, didn't I just feed you.com and all the socials. All the socials. I mean, it is pretty much the best name for a podcast, guys. Ah. And I'm, <laughs> I like the name of our podcast because people find it easy. They t- they type mom into Apple Podcasts and ours comes right up. And we have benefited greatly from that over the years. But it is just such a good, it's such a good name. I love people it. People never forget it. No. Like once you tell them, they're like, oh, I'll remember that. And, and they get it. Like, they're like, oh my gosh, that's funny. I love it. Yes. I know exactly what it's about. Okay. So Megan, where can we find you? I write full time, like that's my day job um, for thekitchen.com. And that's where you can find all of my recipes. I write a lot about how I feed my family and tips for better weeknight meals. For a long time, I wrote actually a weekly meal plan for kitchen, although it's recently been taken over by a new mom on our team. Okay. Um, I don't blog on the site anymore. I used to have a website called Stir and Scribble. It still exists, but it's pretty much crickets over there. <laughs> but um, I, Stacey mentioned it. Both of us are very active on Instagram. Yes. Um, so it's worth mentioning that Stacy is at Stacy Billis and I'm at Megan underscore Spawn. And Stacy has a really cute um, IGTV series that she started doing like all these tips for being in the kitchen. So you should definitely Megan, go find us there. Look at you guys. I love you. <laughs> just, just building each other up like yeah. co-hosts. Um, I should... I also want to mention, I don't, this is just like a fun aside that I actually met my husband working on the Food Network show, Good Eats. I worked for Alton Brown for like a very, very long time. So like Stacey, I feel like I've been writing about food and developing recipes for my whole life. Well, I actually dropped that little tidbit to my husband because he is the foodie in our house and he's a big food nerd and he's an Alton Brown fan. And so um, that that scored you some. He was very impressed. Yeah, like my only clout. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, now you've been on the mom hour. So, I mean, just yes, replace yeah, yeah. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. Um, OK, so moving on. One thing that my Megan and I love to do on this show is sort of like give everybody an update of where we are with something and just acknowledge what's working really well and what needs a readjustment. And as we talk about home management and motherhood on this show, we're always acknowledging that things shift in seasons all the time. So it's not like you're going to say, I've cracked the code on meal planning or grocery shopping and I'm done forever. You can say, okay, this is working well right now. And this other thing is a hot mess and needs an adjustment. So I thought it would be fun (laughs) if all three of us just right now at this moment in time, which is back to school season 2019, tell me something that has clicked right now, a system that's working in the food realm in your house and then something that needs a fall adjustment for this year. Megan, let's go with you yeah. first. Before I love, Megan jumps in, yeah. can I just say something? Uh-huh. I feel like the fact that we're doing this right at the beginning of back to school <laughs> is like a tiny disadvantage because I'm like, everything needs readjusting. Well, you are fully, you. we allow you, you that, that space. First of all, you are in New York. So your kids went back like yesterday, right? Today. Today. Oh my gosh, today. Oh my gosh. So you get a free pass. Nothing's working. But okay. Maybe, so people yeah. don't judge me when it's my turn yes. to talk. <laughs> totally, totally. And um, I think Megan, you're and my kids have both been back like two, two and a half weeks. We're in the yes. we're in the groove. So yes. um, why don't you start? <laughs> well, first of all, I want to say I love that you and Megan talk about seasons because we talk a lot about that on Didn't I Just Feed You. I talk a lot about it in real life. I'm sure everyone's sick of me saying, well, we're just in this season <laughs> of... 
Um, but I'm really excited because one thing that is working for us right now in this season for back to school is Ella, who is seven and a half and is in second grade, is doing a mix of choosing which menu days look great to her from the school lunch. Nice. And then packing her lunch on the days where she doesn't like what's being served at school. I love um, it. Last year, this is like a little funny story. Last year, we recorded a bunch of didn't I just feed you about back to school, like ahead of back to school. Mm -hmm. And I was like feeling like I'm so on top of it. And I know (laughs) everything about packing lunches. And then I didn't realize that she would have lunch on the first day. (laughs) And I did not pack her lunch. (laughs) So my streak of like five years of packing her preschool and daycare lunches was broken by me forgetting and she had school lunch and she really loved that experience and it got her to try new foods last year that she was like mostly eating this the cafeteria lunch and she would come home and be like I had romaine today with Caesar dressing and it was so good can we have that at home and I was like yes yeah, we can have that awesome. all the time so I just love the like autonomy that yeah. giving her the choice about lunch has given her but hey, I do Megan, say yeah do you like the autonomy of her asking for no parsley <laughs> no <laughs> parsley no parsley uh yeah I do it's <laughs> it's fun to see what she likes and what she's drawn to outside of just like what I choose for her and what she packs in her lunch although she's gotten really upset with me because sometimes her lunches are so cute and I want to take pictures for Instagram and she's like mom come on she's she's already <sighs> curating what she does and does not want on yeah, the insta yeah. that's amazing um And then what needs adjustment is breakfast. We did the summer slide for breakfast and we just like allowed there to be so much breakfast cereal in the house, which breakfast cereal, I'm not like being judgmental against. For our family, breakfast cereal is more like a snack food Mm -hmm. and more of like a treat thing. Um, So we like allowed it a lot during the summer, but it's continued even into these first couple of weeks of school. Yeah. And we're dealing with some after-school grouchiness, and I just think that maybe if we figure out, like, meal prepping some breakfast Mm -hmm. things during um, meal prep on the weekends, that we might have better kids after school. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. I I, I also have breakfast cereal in my pantry, and I try and look at it as, like, it's like, remember the old commercials, like, part of this nutritious breakfast, like, where it was like, it is a thing. It is one of the things. I don't really like it to be the only thing, because, like you said, I don't think it quite sustains. Um, and it's definitely not like the thing we shop for. It's like, oh yeah. Or also here's some honey bunches of oats. Um, yeah, I like that. Okay. So Stacy, what about you? What's, uh, is there anything Uh, working in your uh, house right now? (laughs) That's my energy today. Um, I just want to go back to that parsley thing because I think it's so funny that we do all this work for our kids to develop their own tastes. Mm -hmm. And then when they throw their tastes back at us. Oh yeah. Like Megan basically went on her personal Instagram <laughs> a couple of weeks ago <laughs> and was like, WTF with this kid and not eating dinner because there's parsley on it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we always find these funny moments where like, you know, Megan and I are like, mm-hmm, remember what you said? You said you wanted him to have his own taste. Yep. And I, what I love about you guys is like, you're, your kids are just like everybody else's kids. Like you are facing oh, the yeah. same issues that the rest of us are. So oh, that, yeah. that makes it all, it takes the the pressure off of the rest of us when your kids are picky <laughs> too. Or, yeah. Well, it's like, I probably poked fun to mask my own <laughs> bad feelings. Cause with a 12 year old, 
he's like really deep. You know, he's 12 and a half. Yeah, he'll be 13 in January. He's like deep in that. Let me do my own thing. Mm hmm. Um, and with food, he really is, I mean, he's a New York city kid. So after school, they like walk around, they go to each other's houses, they can hop on the bus and he really has a lot of autonomy. Yeah. I actually, um, I listened, sorry to interrupt. I listened yeah. to your, um, feeding tweens and the cute interview with him about oh, yeah. tweens getting into Starbucks. And yes. I loved those. I loved those. And we'll link those up for our listeners who have older kids too. But yeah, you're right. Like we want the autonomy. We want them to have developed palates and start to have their own likes and dislikes. But then when it flies in the face of everything we've yeah. been doing, <laughs> it's really, really hard. And I yeah. have to remember that he's going to come back to it. But you know, the thing about, I guess, I brought up New York City because it's independence combined with options. Mm -hmm. You know, a bodega selling every candy bar yeah. and every chip on every corner. Right. Um, which brings me to the big thing that needs adjustment, which is snacking. Okay. Um, because in the summer, I tend to loosen the reins mm -hmm. and, you know, I'm not paying as much attention. He's off with his friends more. He's home alone more. So I just did like a mega clean out of my pantry and got like, I mean, he went in the pantry the other day and he was like dried <laughs> apple rings. I was like, yeah, welcome to the school year, happy, kid. Happy back to school. Happy back to school. Um, so snacking is really the thing I'm focusing on. What is sweet and satisfies them and feels like a treat because I'm not anti-treat in any way, shape or form. Um, but then also can nourish him because they're both athletic. They have really busy schedules. So we just avoid the crabbiness like Megan was talking yeah. about. Yeah. You know, that's the big thing. And then, you know, as for what's working well, I do have to say, you're right. No one should ever be so bold as to say we've cracked the code on something. But I've got to say, I've got the school lunch thing down. I have one more year of packing for my nine-year-old. And I think a huge part of why I can say that is not because I'm the master, but because I've let go a whole bunch. I love that. And it's just really about making sure I have lots of options in my pantry to choose from. You can't be creative if you don't have the tools. Mm -hmm. So just tons of options, you know, from deli meats to sandwiches to pastas for pasta salad, whatever it is. And then like not worrying if I'm packing the same thing five days in a row. Totally. When I'm just curious, when do you pack the lunch? When in the course of a day do you pack the lunch? I wake up at around 6.45 or 7 p.m. and my kids have to be out the door at 7.40. Okay. I get up, I drink my coffee, I pack lunch. My husband does breakfast. Okay. So I don't have to worry about that. And then I tend to get ready once they're gone or like overlap a little bit. Okay. So I do it in the morning. Yeah, I'm I also. I'm not a pre-packer. Me neither, but I, I'm it's always an interesting question and it does sometimes impact the type of food you pack. Cause I think totally. packing the night before can be a great strategy for some families, but it introduces different <laughs> variables. Um, yeah. yeah. So when I do that. I tend to avoid sandwiches right. like, you know, but the, but the snacks, the cut vegetables, I have to say that I would guess like 80% of Oliver's school lunches could be packed the night before. Right. Right. It's just a formula. It's vegetable, fruit, a main that has protein, and a little snacky thing. Yeah, I like I like thinking about that protein. Go ahead, Megan. Oh, I was going to say, Stacey is also really good about meal prepping on the weekends. And so she already has like veggies and stuff, yeah. cut, which makes it easier. And we we do a little bit of that too, which I think helps if you're trying to get your kids to pack their own lunch. Yes. Whether they're doing it in the morning or the night before, which we do a mix of. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Um, and well, just on no, that meal prepping tip, you know, if you don't want to spend like 
45 minutes on a weekend because I get that and I don't do it consistently. But if I'm cutting a red pepper for Oliver's lunch in the morning, I just cut the whole thing. Mm -hmm. And then that's enough for three lunches that week. So just thinking of clever strategies like that, when you can maximize your time, you know, while adding two minutes of work here, which I can spare, spare me 10 minutes in the week overall. Yes. And I think it's so much easier even in feeding ourselves to reach for the healthy stuff when, you know, when it's prepped like that. Um, Well, I will answer this one as well, just to add to the mix about what's working and what needs a reset. So uh, lunch packing is also working in our house so far this year. Um, I am so impressed, Megan, that your seven and a half year old is packing her own lunch um, because I made an arbitrary rule last year that the start of middle school would mean you pack your own lunch every day. I wish I would have made that arbitrary rule for like, you know, third grade because a third grader is totally capable. Um, But I just, I don't know. I had my systems down at that point. So the big change for us this year Uh, My kids go to a K through eighth school. So they are actually all at the same school, but sixth grade is the start of the middle school section. And that was the start of my arbitrary rule that you pack your own lunch. Um, and she's doing really well. She's been doing it sometimes the night before and because she moves kind of slow in the morning. But this morning she had to do it in the morning and she's had a great attitude about it. And that's the part that I appreciate the most. I kind of peek in there and see what's going in. But like you said, Stacy, the kind of formula about of, you know, a, a main with a protein, a fruit, a fresh fruit. Um, my kids like either like dried blueberries or dried cranberries sometimes. And yep. it, it's just it's not it's not rocket science. And I think she saw me do that and saw the lunches I packed for so many years and she's kind of a compliant rule follower. So she's doing a good job. That's working. I pack the other two kids lunch in the morning. Um, and I just feel like it's maybe it takes years to hit your, to get in your groove, but that, that is working this year. My kids are so funny when you're talking about the parsley, they will give feedback on my lunches, but they've learned, (laughs) they've learned to do it really diplomatically. And I don't know if it's because I snapped at them if they were rude about it one time. So they'll come home and it's their job to unpack everything. They bring it in, they take out the bentos and they put it by the sink. And while they're doing that, they'll be like, so mom, um, just, (laughs) just for next time. And this is really like, just so you know, um, that kind of Turkey is not my favorite. I like the ham and they're just, it's just this very like, like almost like they're afraid I'm going to get mad. And I don't know where that came from, but it's really cute. And I will, I will say, okay, thanks for the feedback. Like you survived today, but I'll do my best tomorrow. So yeah, I love that. I think kids should give feedback. And I think that I'm, I'm one of those pro politeness. Like, I don't really know that I care if you mean to say you or not. Like (laughs) when you see that stranger and they hand you something or whatever, you're just going to say thank you. Like it will become a habit. Yeah. It's the nice thing to do. Yeah. So I think that's nice. Yeah. It's better than my 12 year old who just this morning (laughs) took a sip of his smoothie and said, it's good. Not your best work. But it's all right. <laughs> I was like, okay. Wow. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Exactly. Oh my gosh. That's <laughs> Not so your funny. best work. <laughs> oh, I love it. Well, what is in in always in need of improvement, always, and our regular listeners know this, is is dinner planning, dinner yeah. prep, and um, kind of my general attitude about dinner is always what needs a reset. <laughs> um, so one thing within dinner that has working, we recently started using Butcher Box. They are not a sponsor of this podcast. I have no relationship with them, but they send um, 
proteins that are sustainably sourced, like really good quality proteins, and they come frozen and we keep them in the freezer. We have an extra freezer in the garage. And we have been really good about on the weekend saying, okay, at least what's the protein plan for this week? We're going to do salmon. It takes, you want to defrost stuff slowly in the fridge. And I do not like food waste. It's like a big trigger for me. So I'm very motivated to be like, okay, let's defrost these things in the right order so that we use them. And then I think the problem is I think I'm done because I'm like, oh, we're having salmon on Tuesday. And then, and Brian, Brian does a lot of the cooking. My Brian, I think you have a Brian, Megan. (laughs) My Brian does a lot of the cooking. We tag team depending on his work schedule. Um, And it's that tag teaming where I feel like we have a gap because we'll decide what proteins we're having. And then I kind of mentally check it off the list. And now there's a thawed protein and it's 3.34 o'clock. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know what I want to do with this. I don't know if he's going to be in home in time to do his thing with it. So ah, we just are like, we have not taken that last step in meal planning. And it feels like that's always the thing that needs a reset for me. So do you guys use a tool? Um, no, like a meal planning tool. Yeah. Um, like something digital that you guys even can share. Even a Google calendar or something. Yeah, that would, that would be good. We have a longtime sponsor of PrepDish, which we, when we, and PrepDish is all about prep ahead. They don't send you foods. They send you, um, meal plans. It's super healthy. So when we have a PrepDish weekend, we will use those recipes and use our own proteins and prep everything on the weekend, but it's almost all or nothing. When we do PrepDish, it's yeah. amazing. And I love it. And we eat so healthy and it's all done on the weekend. But I feel like there's some weeks that doesn't, that's not practical for whatever reason. And then I feel like we don't have a, there's not like a next tier down. Like we don't need to chop every single thing on Sunday, but we could at least make a better plan. And that's where my gap is. So, okay. I will say we have an awesome interview with Tracy Benjamin of Shutterbean on meal prep as self-care. I love that. And she talks about how, like, even if you only have 30 minutes, which it sounds like this might work for you guys, where you could like, um, throw some sweet potatoes in the oven and then like make a couple sauces for mm-hmm. your proteins. That might be the thing that like closes the gap a yeah. little bit more for you guys. I like that. I tend to be very all or nothing in my thinking. So it's like, it's either a fully formed recipe that has like all the parts or yes. I just make brown rice, grill the protein and like put it on a plate. And then we're not the kids aren't excited about that. I'm not excited yeah. about that. It is healthy. We So that's like, that's where the tension is, right? Like we're going to get into talking about nutrition later and kind of like our different approaches to nutrition. So I feel like I'm ticking the boxes on sustainable protein. I'm ticking the boxes on not doing fast food. I'm not ticking the box on something that I want to eat and that the kids want to eat. And so, yeah. And anyway. that's important. Yeah, that's it really is. Important. It's an important, yeah, yeah, this is like basically therapy for me. You guys are going to help me. <laughs> Every show is like therapy for us. So we relate. I love it. I feel like sauces is a really good place just to like reiterate what Megan was saying, because I think they're the unsung hero of the busy family cook. I love sauces. If you could have like a peanut sauce, a hoisin sauce that you can either make homemade, like I have one on stacybillis.com or even store-bought if that's what you prefer. It makes no difference, but like... Three or four things, a good all-purpose vinaigrette that can also be a marinade, Mm -hmm. like a 20-minute marinade. Like you're simple for those nights when you're like, oh, like I don't know what to do with this. I just know I have salmon and rice. Yeah. Yeah. That plain salmon and plain rice can become a salmon rice bowl with a vinaigrette over it. And I have found, because I think a lot like you, Sarah, and that has happened to me a lot when I haven't actually planned the recipes. Right. Sauces have really, really saved me. And not like 
the go-tos because then everybody gets sick of barbecue. It feels a little pedestrian. I want it to feel a little more like a recipe that I put together. So I did a little digging for some like creative sauces and just having like three or four in my repertoire made a really big difference. I love that. So I have a really practical question. Do you store them in like a jar in your fridge? Like if you did them ahead of time, so you would just keep them in a jar in your fridge. Totally. And like, even if I'm making a peanut sauce for tonight's dinner, right. then I'll make double the recipe and then I'll leave the second half in the fridge for next week yeah. because sauces will keep a little bit longer. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Such practical. Sauces save the day. Sauces, saucy. Saucy for the win. <laughs> um, well, okay. We've got to move on and talk a little bit about um, the kids that we're feeding. And I'll just continue my my dinner woes continue with having three kids of varying uh, selectiveness in their palates. I will say we're moving into a new phase where nobody cries when they sit down. <laughs> like they, nobody, That's a big deal. Yeah, That's a big deal. Nobody just wails that there's not a hot dog in front of them. And believe me, I've gone through seasons <laughs> where the hot dog was easier than the whaling. So I, I feel like my family is at this really good opportunity where we can focus on everyone's eating the same thing. We're eating what's served, but I do have selectiveness in my um, kids. And I know our listeners out there are dealing with lots and lots of, I'm, did you know I'm avoiding the word picky, Stacey? Did you I do. That? I I was, I'm uh, feeling it. Okay. Like so it. let's start with that. I've heard on your podcast, Stacey, that you're not crazy about the label picky eaters for kids. So let's, let's start there. Tell me why. And then I just want you guys, let's just riff on picky eaters for a bit. Yeah. So, I mean, listen, I'm going to say that when I first many years ago, you know, going back 10 years now, when uh, Isaac was a toddler, um, partly that came from being really like proud of myself. And I'm just, I don't know, I don't think I was pompous. I'm sure it felt that way to other people because mm-hmm. <laughs> Isaac's naturally not a picky eater. Yeah. So I was just very, very proud of myself. <laughs> Good for you. Um, yeah. Like I had just done a wonderful job <laughs> and then Oliver came along to be like, yeah, right lady. Yeah. Um, and I did all the same things and he's more selective. So then I started like really digging in and, you know, I think at this point, my, why I don't like it is because it labels your kid and not the season they're in. We were just talking about Mm. this earlier, right? And the truth is Isaac is not a picky eater, never has been. He's, he tried on a dare, um, a fish eyeball. Oh my gosh. He's tried oysters. Like he tried sweetbreads. Like he, so you can't call this kid a picky eater, but have we gone through phases where he's like, I just don't like broccoli anymore. And it makes my day to day difficult. Yeah. Yes. Has he had me worry? Like right now we're actually in a season of that where I'm like, you just, why have you stopped eating vegetables and all you want is Doritos and stop being a teenager? Um, (laughs) you know, so it just, it always changes. And I feel like when you label your kid picky, um, it just sets you up for a harder challenge and it kind of can get in their heads too, to yeah, be honest. Yeah, I agree. You I know, agree. and like these things, it's all, I have a background in child development. There's, I won't bore everybody with it now. We actually have two episodes on picky eaters and okay. I get into the research a little bit and I nerd out for a second about child <laughs> development, but it's, it's normal. There are some instances where it's, you know, clinical Uh and that's really, really different. And that's a different subject because I do think 
just to like give a shout out to those parents who are dealing with that as a real clinical problem. Mm -hmm. All that advice where like, if they're hungry, they'll eat eventually. (laughs) And there's no real such thing as picky. It's just what you're doing. Actually, that advice doesn't fit families that are struggling with clinical pickiness, which can come from sensory issues, developmental delays, a whole bunch of things. So it is real Mm -hmm. for some families, just not most families. And so not that it isn't real day to day, because I just said, like, I have agita about how my 12-year-old is eating right now. Yeah. But it's not like something that's fixed. I love that. Megan, what's pickiness look like in your real life or with your family or what are your thoughts on I this? I think it's very much the same as Stacy's. Like I have one kid who Emmett who will literally eat anything. And then Ella has had these seasons of being very selective and turning her nose up, even at things that she once loved, like roasted sweet potatoes. She's like, um, I don't eat sweet potato anymore. And you're like, great. There goes like one of six vegetables mm-hmm. that I yeah. know you'll Ugh, eat. The worst. Um, But I think one of the, and one of the like always shifting dynamics in our family is like, I have a clear point of view about how I want to feed our family and how I don't really want to acknowledge the selectiveness in a, in a like out and out way, like calling her picky or selective. Mm -hmm. It's just kind of like, okay, you don't like it now. We'll try again next week. And my husband doesn't always like grasp that. He doesn't have a clear point of view when it comes to feeding them. And so he gets frustrated with it where he's like, but she just, she loved black beans last week. She ate a whole bowl of them. And now Mm -hmm. she's saying she doesn't like them. And Um, So we have to talk through that a lot. And that's one of the things I want to talk about and acknowledge is that there are people who really struggle with pickiness in their family. And I think that if you're really worried about how your kid's eating, it is totally great to reach out to your pediatrician and Mm. talk about it. I did that at one point in time with Ella. And I had such a great pediatrician at that time who she was like, Stop looking at one day of Ella's eating and beating yourself up about it. Look at the whole week or even 10 days and you're going to see that there's like a bigger balance at play here and that she is mm-hmm. getting the nutrition that she needs over that that course of time. Um, so that really changed my perspective on feeding Ella and let me sort of like loosen my grip on wanting her to not be picky and, and trying to like be us both up about that. And then, um, I would say if you have a picky eater, there are tons of really great like Facebook groups and even in real life support groups where parents are getting together and sort of at least commiserating on the challenges of having a picky eater. Because a lot of times like that's what we need as parents is just someone who's like, oh yeah, I went through that too. And it really sucked. But now my kid will eat kale or whatever it is. And um, Stacey has this really great thing that she says about it where it's like, it's not really about getting our kids to eat kale. It's just making sure that their nutrition is met and that we can connect with them about food at the table or over food at the table. And I think that's the most important thing than whether they, they like vegetables all the time or not. I love that. And I want to second the concept of normalizing this with other parents. One thing that's happened to me when I've kind of compared notes with other parents out of earshot of the kids um, is that I realize that my kid is selective about things that are driving me bonkers, but they're actually consuming food groups that other people's kids are avoiding. Excuse me. So my kids have always been pretty good about their proteins and dairy or non-animal proteins like has never been a problem. There are kids who will not touch 
meat of any kind yes. or an egg. And yeah. I'm like, oh, that's a challenge that we'd have never had. They like the nut butters. They like, you know, our challenge is more around vegetables. And and my other challenge is more about having three kids with three different sets of opinions. So like the Venn diagram of the things they all like is just so ridiculously small. It's not like any one kid is, well, one, one is, I would say quite selective. The other two are totally average, but it's just, it's the, the Venn diagram overlap that when you have three is just so silly. So I love that idea about, I love the idea of talking to other parents. I love the idea of talking to the pediatrician. And then I don't know the one other thing I'll offer that's helped me is just I can't have all the goals at once. So like you mentioned, Kale, like I can't for my most selective eater, leafy greens are not a goal for me, for him right now. Um, The goal is more behaviorally that he's not experiencing. We're not in a power struggle about food and he's not experiencing anxiety if we go to like a potluck and he's not asking me, what what are we having for dinner? Is there hot dogs? Is there pizza? And he never quite got to that point, but it it was in that gray area for a while. So the fact that he can go to a friend's house, go to a restaurant, go to a party and find something that he can eat and I can put dinner on the table and he can find something to put on his plate is that's my goal right now. It's not about, um, dark leafy greens. And I've just, I've just given myself a pass in that area. Also, I was a super picky eater and I eat everything now. So I don't know. That's the same with my husband, Michael. And I think that Sarah, you're bringing up something that's really, really important. So, you know, Megan and I are always trying to be as inclusive as possible. So, you know, we try to address like the whole spectrum of, you know, that we've been exposed to. But in reality, picky eating is a very popular topic. Tons of parents don't have a clinical issue, but it is pretty extreme and it's disruptive, Mm -hmm. right? And so just give us some solutions. If you're in that place, which so many parents are, I think shifting your thinking to it being a parenting issue and not a food issue or a parenting challenge and not a food challenge, just like you did, is really, really critical because the goal at the end of the day is about making sure they have a healthy relationship with food. Mm -hmm. And if you're fighting over food with them and you're trying to force feed certain foods, I promise it will backfire. So like you said, what, what kind of parent do you want to be? What do you want dinner time to look like? What do you want it to look like when you go out to dinner with your kid or to a potluck, like you were saying? And then just the same way you think about goals and how you want to parent towards them when it comes to screen time Mm -hmm. or politeness, which we were talking about before. Think about the parenting strategies you want to employ to set the tone and get the results that you want and focus on that in that relationship, that parenting child relationship and not what's on their plate, which just makes everybody go crazy in the end. Yeah. Well, that's very validating for me. Thank you. I do think I kind of, at some point I, I can tend to give up and be like, okay, well, this is how we eat for now. And so I can always be better about continuing to present the leafy greens instead of writing them off. Um, but I, I appreciate that. And I, I, it's definitely helped me to think of it, like you said, as a relationship dynamic and a, and a family culture dynamic rather than, uh, cause if I knew if there was a significant nutrition problem, we'd probably be yes. seeing it in other ways. Yes. <laughs> That's what I'm telling 100%. myself. Yeah. And then once you guys have calmed down and you have the space to bring it on, cause amen to not having, you know, not being able to address all the problems right. and have all the goals, 
you know, you will, you'll start presenting leafy greens again. But if you start presenting them and it causes any kind of strife or anxiety, like it's kind of counterproductive right. to be honest. Yeah. So, I mean, especially when it sounds like overall, you're feeling really good about the kind of foods you're bringing into the house and how your kids are doing. On a really practical level, I think we should talk about some of the meals, specifically like dinner and breakfast that help when you have a kid who's like in a picky season. Oh, I would love that. You got some? Um, well, just, we have a whole episode about hummus bowls. And okay. so that kind of like opens up the world of bowls, sort of like we were talking about the brown rice and yeah. the protein, and then all of the veggies and sauces become optional. Yes. Yes. So that you're like making one meal, but each kid gets to choose what's on their bowl yes. and on their plate. And then they're still getting that exposure to the kale. Like the kale is still on the table. They're yep. still seeing it. Yeah. They're seeing you eat it and yep. enjoy it. And it's not like, it's not a thing where you're like, you have to eat it because it's the only vegetable. Yes. It's part of a yeah. bigger spread. Um, so bowls work bowls and anything they can build their own, like tacos yep. or whatever, those work have worked really well for us in the seasons where Ella's been more soft. I agree. For us, that's been um we would say taco salad, but it's the my husband and I are eating an actual taco salad, and the kids sometimes are eating tortilla chips, cheese, and like one black bean. But it's coming yes. from, <laughs> from the same, it's coming from the same pool of offering. And what I like about that is it's not saying this is what the grown-ups are eating and this is what the kids are eating, which is a sl- a slippery slope that I have fallen down many times. I'm not great about that. But with taco salad, it's what's on the table, and like you said, you build your own yeah we do salads a lot and people are like your kids eat salad I'm like no they eat all of the toppings mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> and that's fine that's a win yeah yeah it's such I, a win. they'll eventually come around yeah. and like we're not that's the whole like frustrating thing about parenting but it's true in all these other realms too like who your kids are when they're not around you is such a better sign <laughs> who they are than they're <laughs> with you like we're investing this energy and like putting, you know, putting out there how we want them to be. And they're not really going to be like that until they're 25, yeah. maybe 28. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Some kids maybe like 34, but whatever. whatever. We'll get there. We'll, get, we'll there. get there. I love it. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid scale solar energy in Ohio and Producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, we're back and we have a lot more to say about nutrition and feeding our kids. But um, Stacey and Megan, I don't know if you guys know this, but the mom hour 
listener community includes moms of kids of all ages, um, but a lot of newer moms. And so Megan and I hear from moms who are at the very beginning of this journey. And one thing I have observed, and I've observed this with myself and my sister, who's a new mom, is there's always that honeymoon period. Like Stacy, you were talking about when you first had your first child, where you're like, I've done it. My kid eats vegetables. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't know what all these parents are talking about with pickiness. Like they literally, I baby led weaning, they eat everything yeah. we eat. It's delightful. It's glorious. So then like 20,000 birthday parties later, it feels like the world has conspired against you, even with the best yeah. of intentions, because you realize that like real life includes popsicles after school and pizza and cupcakes at birthday parties. And I think for a lot of us, we're like, okay, well, we, we want kids to enjoy that. But like, I know for my family, I feel, I, I feel it in like instinctually when I know that we're like a little bit tilted to one extreme or the other. And that is so hard. So for our new moms out there, I guess my question is, this is the three of us are not new moms. What is that balance of nutrition? And I'm going to call it real life enjoyment of garbage food. <laughs> what is, <laughs> what does that balance look like for you guys in your families? And do we have any words of encouragement for new moms who feel like it's almost like they're white knuckle holding on as long as possible to this utopia. And then, and then it's like a slippery slope and you throw your hands up in the air. I don't know. Oh man, this is such a good question and sort of a hard one. Yeah. First of all, I want to say that both Stacy and I, like in our everyday lives, we have moms at school and moms in our Didn't I Just Feed You listeners group who are asking these really great questions that are along those lines. Like, hey, how do I fix this part of my parenting around food? And for the most part, our thing is like, you're, you're doing so much better than you think you're doing. That you're even asking that yes. question yeah. really speaks to the kind of parent that you are and to really kind of listen to your gut. And when you feel like things are out of balance, you always get to correct the course. Um, Stacey will, will always mention, we had Jill Castle, who's a childhood nutritionist on, and she's amazing. She's written so many great books and articles about like, um, nutrition around parenting. And she, for both of us was like, it's never at, at any point in your journey of parenting around food, it is never too late to make a change and correct course. And so you should just do that yeah. at any time. And it's okay if it like, it swings the pendulum of like balance swings all the way around sometimes yeah. <laughs> because like the um, apple chips in Stacy's yes, pantry. Yes, <laughs> yes. After months of Doritos. We, we lit it all on fire and there's nothing <laughs> yeah. left but kale. Yes. <laughs> totally. Yes. Yes. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think balance eludes me. I said, it's like a mythical unicorn that I've never <laughs> caught. Um, so I just do my best which looks different every day to like model mo moderation to my kids, like show them what a serving in a bowl looks like instead of just like eating the chips from the bag. Yeah. I love junk food. In fact, we have a whole episode coming up soon about junk food and Stacy and I have very different stances on it. So that's a fun, that's like a, was a fun thing to record and to discuss with each other. Um, so I think mo anytime you can model to your kids is like the best thing that you can do that like you sometimes you mostly sit down as a family when you can and you eat mostly healthy food and then you still enjoy ice cream and you still enjoy Doritos and like just in moderation. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, the, it's funny that you asked us this because we just recently recorded that conversation about junk food and we thought the conversation was going to go one way and then it totally, I can't, (laughs) I can't wait to publish that one actually. Um, I grew up with a very, a mother who had a very extreme point of view on nutrition. And as much as I've tried to kind of bring things into a place of, you know, moderation as it's been sold to us. (laughs) Um, I do truly believe that, you know, as much as I try to fight it sometimes, like I feel better when I eat healthier. Mm -hmm. Like if I could reduce refined sugar in my diet, like more, I would, but I can't. So I'm not going to spend my time beating myself Mm -hmm. up for it um, because I like it and I don't want that enjoyment to go away. So Again, it comes down to sort of not thinking about the food as much and obsessing about the food as it is thinking about when I'm thinking about my own diet, like what's worth it and what, where do I derive pleasure when it comes to cooking and eating and then teaching the same to my kids and then having a, you know, conversation about parenting. So I think in a lot of ways I was, I've... I was too extreme. And then like, even just in a smaller kind of increment that you measure, I go, like, I really let the kids go wild in summer. And Mm -hmm. then, like you said, like set it all on fire and back to kale. (laughs) Like, is that really what I want to model for them? Not really. Like that's not the best to like completely lose in, but that is me. And I'm not going to like, I, I don't have time to obsess about food and I certainly don't want to model that obsessing over food and how we eat. Right. But I do keep a pretty like junk food free house. Um, not completely. Megan loves that. I love hot dogs for dinner. (laughs) My kids will be right over Stacy. Yeah. It's one of the few things in the center of the Venn diagram of the three. So (laughs) because they're good, but anyway, for another conversation, (laughs) But like, we don't buy Doritos. We don't buy potato chips as a matter of course. Like we have pretzels and plain like organic, which is probably a stupid way to spend my money, tortilla (laughs) chips. Like, you know, so I guess in the end, what you're getting from me and Megan is that balance is a myth, just like she said. And you got to do what's right for you. And again, I think what supersedes everything is to not get so obsessive about the food itself. Yeah. Yeah. I really like that. Um, Something that's come up for me as the kids have gotten older is I've had to really listen to how I set boundaries around we were talking about them getting more autonomous because one thing that I feel like okay I'm relaxed about this when we're out we get ice cream we get pizza and then I feel like this little sliver of light cracks open in the door and they see it as a like when's my next hit of ice cream like can we go to ice cream today and so Stacey I think you and I might be similar personality types my instinct is to clamp down light it all on fire and get out the kale and so what I've had to like figure out is there are ways to set boundaries. And I'm not saying ice cream is bad. I'm still saying we can enjoy it, but I'm still the mom. And I still get to say like, no, we, no, like, no, (laughs) we're not having ice cream today, but that's hard. I guess what I'm saying is like, I I don't, that is hard for me. It is. It's really hard. I think just being, but again, it goes back to this being about parenting, right? Figure out what boundaries are good for you. Be consistent. That works with everything, not just food. And don't be afraid to say no. (laughs) And don't be afraid to say no. (laughs) 
<laughs> a quick tip, though, uh, one little like practical takeaway for parents with older kids. I've decided that like, you know what, like this is our dessert policy. I know that's mm-hmm. lame, but whatever. No. This is our dessert policy. And if you want to buy Doritos or junk food after school, you have an allowance. Yeah. Like I can't control how you manage your money. Yep. So that's like spend it yourself. Yep. I know, Megan, you do the same thing, even with Ella, who's much younger. Yeah, she started getting money that she can spend. And so if we're out of the store and she wants something I consider to be junk food or something I wouldn't buy, she's welcome to buy it. And a lot of times she won't because she would rather have an LOL doll or something instead. Um, But on the same note, when your kids are younger and they don't have the autonomy of having their own money, we talked about this. This is actually a tip from a listener in in an episode about sugar, the idea of like setting days where it's like, this is the day where we have dessert. We only have dessert on Fridays or in our house, we do pizza on Mm -hmm. Fridays because Ella at one point became obsessive about pizza. She wanted to go out for pizza all the time. She wanted to have pizza every opportunity. And so we were (laughs) like, okay, we'll do pizza once a week. We'll make it at home so we can control the ingredients. And then we're also going to use that homemade pizza as a vehicle to get you to see and try new foods. Yeah. And that that. worked really well for us. So maybe you have like a hot dog day once a week or once a month even. It doesn't have to be once a week. I'm a huge Um, like rituals and routine person. Like that's my response to most parenting challenges is like, let me put some branding around this and call it taco (laughs) Sunday. And like, I'm very much that way about screens because I'm quite controlling about that area of parenting. And I've always, that's what we've done, like built in a movie night or this is our family show night and then the kids know what to expect. So I love that approach of, um, yeah, there is no balance. There's only um, helping ourselves not go crazy. That's, yeah. 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 (laughs) Super eloquent. Um, Well, let's move on and talk about new moms a little bit more. And I would love if you guys could think back to your new mom days and feeding babies and toddlers in particular. And if you had... Um, something you could tell your new mom self um, or our new mom listeners, what would that, what would that be? Megan, you can go first. Okay. I love this question. (laughs) (laughs) Don't Google anything after midnight. (laughs) Maybe don't Google anything the first three years. I love it. Um, (laughs) I personally, and we've actually never like had a breastfeeding or feeding babies episode of didn't I just feed you? I personally really struggled with Ella, who was my first kiddo in trying to breastfeed. And I had really gotten in my mind that like, that was the only way. And so we just like struggled to the point where we were seeing a speech therapist to try to get her to latch better. And like, I didn't even get to enjoy my maternity leave with her because I was so obsessed with getting her with this idea that breast is best. And, um, when I went back to work, I really, I had, we had to include formula in our feeding her plan. And so I just like that this idea, and I think it, it's like, not just for that window of when you're breastfeeding formula feeding, but that fed is best. Mm-hmm. So it kind of doesn't matter what your kids are eating as long as they're, they're being fed. I also had a very similar breastfeeding issue with Isaac. And it turned out that it was really a breakdown in my body that's too boring to go into. So I went into having Oliver knowing that I would have a very short window of time to breastfeed him and it probably wouldn't be super quality. Um, So I never made milk past three months. And the first time I was feeding on demand, I had a feeding tube that I used to tape to my nipple so that it could stimulate my milk production. 
but also get some formula because he wasn't getting enough. Like I went bananas. I rented a scale to weigh him before and after. So like I, just like Megan, totally missed the joy Mm -hmm. um, over feeding. And now he's this like handsome, athletic, smart 12-year-old that's like, I, I, I mean, like, whip smart. Like this kid is not suffering. (laughs) (laughs) And like, I've had lapses. He's had problems with dairy. He's had digestive issues. And I remember having a moment like when I wasn't sure what was going on and I didn't have a handle on it yet, where I went to that dark place of Mm. like, oh, like he didn't get enough antibodies (laughs) and whatever. Every kid, I don't know a single parent who hasn't gone through something with their kids that's like scary and challenging. And that's what growing up is. Mm -hmm. And it's important that our kids go through that stuff while we're around to help them through it Mm -hmm. so that they have skills because they will most certainly have to deal with challenges when they get older Mm -hmm. into adulthood. Um, So just I mean, I don't know. I'm kind of repeating what Megan said. Like, don't worry so much. Yeah, I know. If only we could, I've often thought if I could just physically lift the worry off of moms in a stage earlier than me, it would like, I would do it, but you, you just, it's, it's, you can't do it for somebody else. So, you know, what's kind of related though, because I know people hear that and sometimes people appreciate it. And sometimes people are like, Ugh, okay, that's not real advice. Right. Move on. Like I'm going to worry. <laughs> um, for me, worrying was also tied to being dogmatic. Uh, yeah. So, you know, that like breast is best. This is yeah. what he needs. Like this is the way. So the more I said it earlier about school lunches, the more I kind of loosened my own thinking yes. and allowed myself to be flexible and became more open-minded myself, Mm -hmm. the easier it was for me not to worry. So maybe there's something practical in that. I love that. And one tip I always give when Megan and I talk about this on this podcast about any new mom topic is I was so, it was so helpful to me to be surrounded by a wide variety of families who were doing things differently, including some who had older children. And I continue to be really, it's so helpful for me to be surrounded by all different kinds of families with all different kinds of systems and values. And particularly if their kids are a few years older than mine, it's like a constant in my face reminder that the, the dog, the dogmaticness, the dogmatism that I have fixed in my brain as the one right way can't possibly be the one right way because all around me in front of my face are examples of thriving kids doing things differently. And so that's, it's like, maybe I'm slow to learn, but it feels like it needs to be always a reminder. And so I always give that tip to new moms too, is make sure that you're not in a echo chamber of like four friends with brand new babies and you're all just feeding each other the same article that went around. Do you know what I mean? Like you got to get out of that. Oh, and that that actually helps reduce the judgment. Yes, 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 yes. Oh, there's so much judgment that we're inflicting on each other moms (laughs) about how we feed our kids. Um, So that's a really big thing in Didn't I Just Feed You is that like Megan and I really like enjoy when we have these debates over like how we do things differently, whether it's how we prep or cook or feed. Um, Because we really, I think that like being in it together and seeing that all the kids turn out 
with problems and yeah. fine. Yes, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Mostly fine. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Um, well, judgment is totally where I was going next with this question because I love Didn't I Just Feed You, your podcast, because it it lacks judgment and you guys are so generous with, you know, admitting that you guys don't have all of this figured out. And one thing I come away when I listen to your show, it's not like I'm like, oh, I'm going to toss it all out and do this Megan's way or Stacy's way. What I find myself doing is like this morning, Reed had honey bunches of oats for breakfast because we've talked about the cereal slide of the summer. And I was like, hey, would you just pick another food group? Like maybe some Greek yogurt and honey because I just listened to you guys and Stacy was talking about the Greek (laughs) yogurt. And I, I had picked up a little bit of whole milk Greek yogurt and put a little honey on it. And then I sent them out the door and it's like a little bit better. I didn't overhaul breakfast. I just said, would you please have a little side? of protein with that bowl of cereal. And he was like, sure, I like Greek yogurt and honey. So, okay, so that's my setup here is I feel like there's so many opportunities to do things just a little bit better with with what you're already working with, the picky kids yeah. you've already got and the busy schedule you've already got and the, the meal planning system you're already doing. You don't need to overhaul it. But I would love if you guys have things that come to mind for examples of how to just like add a little protein here or, you know, add a little variety here. So the floor, the floor is you guys. Stacey, why don't you start this time? Because I kind of skipped you. Listen, this isn't the practical to forgetting in protein, but I do think like a guiding principle is to think about feeding yourself first. I love that. So there is a lot of, um, there's feeding issues, but then there are cooking issues. And I kind of think they go in hand in hand. A lot of parents don't enjoy cooking. Mm-hmm even if they loved cooking before they had kids, yeah. because it's such a chore and you just feel like it's fruitless. Like, right. oh, I'm going to put it on the table and everyone's going to play and that. Yep. So I think that when you cook for yourself, and I'll, I'll get to how you have to amend that a little bit for mm-hmm. a family because you're part of a community. But when that's your guiding principle, I want you to sit down and I want you to at least, you know what, whether you drink wine or not, like pour yourself a little something, a mocktail, a cocktail, and be like, this is a freaking delicious dinner. And if you guys don't want to eat, all right. Um, I'm happy I cooked because this is nourishing me. I love that. Um, I think that that goes a long way to kind of shift your perspective. Can I add on that note that I have a friend and like a new to me mom friend from school. And one of the things that I love is like, I'll be telling her about a new recipe and I'll be like, yeah, but the kids didn't really like it. And she's like, I don't care. Like kids have (laughs) terrible taste. Did you like it? And I just love that sentiment so much because I think if we just only cooked what our family would eat, it, we wouldn't, we would lose the joy of cooking. I think that's what does happen yeah, to people. Yeah. We've reverse engineered to cook to what the kids will eat. Yeah. I mean, this is like, it's so simple. It's kind of blowing my mind a little bit. And I know um, we will, you know, Stacy, you're going to tell us how, how then we've got to actually feed the whole family. But I love this as a starting point. Yeah, I love that. Like cooking for myself has really, really, really made a difference for me because I just need that it's positive reinforcement is basically what it is. Mm-hmm. We're talking about positive, re, positively reinforcing ourselves and our cooking habits. Um, but then like, how do you do that? I think Megan brought up one of the like best strategies to make what you cook module, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. so that like, if you love that sauce and your kid doesn't like that sauce, because, you know, no matter how delicious your food is in the end, if there's drama at the table, it sucks. Yeah. So like, that's one way to deal with it. Um, also involving the kids, like 
I mean, you, the, you are part of a community and you can never do just like we teach our kids, you know, you can never conduct yourself in a way that's just about you. Right. So can they have one night a week where they make the choices or where you do what they love the way pizza Friday became mm -hmm. a ritual in Megan's family because of Ella. So I do think involving them, if you have a kid who likes to cook, really capitalizing on that, I know they make a mess and it's very annoying, but kind of getting over that mm -hmm. and letting them have a say, because even when kids interact with foods that they don't like, that's the precursor to them being willing to try it down right. the line. Right. You know, so even if they just chop the kale and they're happy to do it because they're psyched that you handed them a knife. Yeah. Um, you know, they might not eat it that night, but if they keep doing it, I trust me, they will, unless you have a severe picky eater, they'll try the kale at yeah. some point because yeah. they're chopping it. Um, but I do think coming from this place of like, I'm in control, I'm the parent, this is what I like to eat. And these are the ways that I'm going to appease you. Oh, and also addressing it. So if you make something that you know they hate, but you like it, be like, I know they're green beans tonight and that's not your favorite. I acknowledge that, but they're my favorite and I was really craving them. Oh, I love that. But tomorrow night we're having broccoli and I know that's better for you. I love that. I love that. Just I like, mean, being in a family. People. Yeah, being in a family is all about those kinds of trade-offs. Yeah. I also just, I whenever there's something I know that they're not going to like, the mains and the even the sides, it's for us, it's buttered whole wheat toast and sliced apples on the table. And I don't yes. say anything else about it. I don't say this is yep. for you. <laughs> I just put it on the table. And like, I know that one or two kids is literally going to have sliced apples and buttered toast, but whatever. It's fine. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, we have to wrap up soon, but I want to talk real quickly about, didn't I just feed you the podcast? You guys just celebrated your first year, correct? Yes. Oh my gosh. Okay. So already in this conversation, we've mentioned a whole bunch of episodes, which I'm going to go back and make sure I'm linking to all of the right ones. But if we, if there's one you haven't, we haven't mentioned mm. yet that you feel like, um, would be a great, like practical or just a really great episode for our listeners to start, where would that be? Stacey, shout, shout them out. Some of your, favorites. okay. I think chicken nuggets is a really good one. I love that I you think, have an entire yeah. episode about chicken nuggets and we disagree it's, in it. Which yeah, is that's what part. I was going to say, right? <laughs> it's like, it's practical. There are tips we give you. If you want frozen, we cover the best brands that we love. If you don't want frozen, we cover how I deal with making that an easier task in my house and Megan too, actually. And we talk about different kinds of chicken nuggets and we disagree. So it's really fun. I love that. <laughs> I love it. In the same vein, our nachos episode is still one of our most popular episodes, which we're like, we're just going to do this because it's fun, yeah. which is also practical advice for feeding your family. What are things you can do that are just fun? Yeah. Um, but it ended up being an episode where people are like, duh, I can totally make nachos once a week for my family yeah. and use up leftovers and even give my picky eater what they want while yeah. still getting what I want out of nachos. So that's a really great episode to listen to, too. I love it. I love it. Any others? Um, pizza, pizza, just, I don't know, like Megan, do you feel like you have your finger on the pulse of how people are liking that episode? It's we had brand a new. lot to say about pizza. I had a lot. I like pizza a about lot. flour. Um, <laughs> 
Stacey geeks out about child development, making what's to talk about. Yes. Flower. Yeah, I want to talk totally. about flour, which is our relationship dynamic in a nutshell. <laughs> um, yeah, so pizza's been really great. There's a lot of great discussion in our listeners group, which if you want to join the listeners group, there's a question and the, uh, about what Stacey and I's favorite cocktails are. And the answer is either whiskey or painkillers. Because we have this, <laughs> we said whiskey. Uh, didn't I just feed you? It was actually born over whiskey drinks at a professional conference. And so it. we're like, oh, that's the answer. But then people were like, whiskey's not a cocktail, which we disagree, but <laughs> that's another story for another time. That's so funny. Um, so that's a great place to get more from both Stacy and I and to join in the discussion. But I also want to shout out um, at the beginning of summer, we did an episode that was very personal about weight loss and like, it's okay if you want to lose weight and it's okay if you don't. We talked a lot about um, how we model diet culture or how we try not to in our homes, but also like kind of grapple with our own body image. And, um, we've got a, a really great response from that episode too. That, yeah, I listened to that one and I agree that is, that's really outstanding. So all of those we will link up and then what's coming up this fall and coming up for, I don't even know, you call it seasons, but what's coming up soon. Yeah, on, didn't like, I just is, feed it, you? is it seasons? We, don't, oh, we never, we never got on board with seasons cause we've been doing this so long. So I think we're, we're getting away I think from seasons. Yeah. <laughs> We just never stop. Yeah. I think we get it now. (laughs) Yeah. So what's coming up on Didn't I Just Feed You? Coming up soon. Cheese. Oh, gosh. We have so many ideas. (laughs) And I feel like... um, Did you just say cheese? Yeah. yeah, Cheese. Always cheese. cheese. Always cheese. We talk about cheese a lot. Um, We have some really great guests around snack foods. We've already done one snack episode, but people are like, more, more, more. We're going to be talking about feeding athletes. We're going to talk about how much to feed people around the holidays. Like, how do you plan for parties? Yes. There's there's kids involved. Um, holiday, we've got some holiday baking stuff, which my background is actually in baking and pastry. So that's another opportunity for me to geek out and talk about flour. I love Um, it. And then I think towards the the end of the year, beginning of the year, we're going to be, um, launching like some video content so that's yeah. I'm like is this I'm one of those things where you say, say, say it out loud I know yes. no, you have to do it that's the thing exactly. yeah that's okay exactly. it's yeah. already on the schedule yeah so lots of but definitely really cool, some fun content stuff surprises up. where yeah. people can interact with us and go deeper into the content beyond the episodes I love it. You guys are on fire. I have so much respect for what you're doing over there. I know we have so many listeners who already love you. And now hopefully we'll send you guys a bunch more. So thank you both. Stacey, your first day of school. Thank you for spending it with us. Um, And everybody listening, we talked about so many links and recipes and resources. Do not panic. They're all at themomhour.com. Just look for this interview and we will have all of those links and how to find Stacey and Megan at Didn't I Just Feed You? So thanks, ladies. Thanks for having me. Sarah, I started a Substack last spring, just kind of as an experiment, and it turns out I love it. I'm treating it kind of like an old school blog, writing about things that are happening in my life. Megan, I've loved following your stuff on Substack, and I actually just really like Substack in general. You know, we've both been a lot less active on Instagram lately, and I'm finding that Substack scratches that itch to connect and create without all the busyness of a typical social media feed. So I would love it if Mom Hour listeners wanted to look me up there. I'm at meganfrancis.substack.com, and that's Megan with two A's, M-E-A-G-A-N-Francis.substack.com. Hi, everyone. Megan here. Sarah and I would absolutely love it if you would hit pause right now, like right where you're listening, and leave the Mom Hour a rating and review. 
If our show has helped you feel a little more confident as a mom or a little less alone, this is one of the biggest ways you can thank us, and it really only takes about 30 seconds. If you're listening to Apple Podcasts, you can navigate to the Mom Hours show listing. So when you're in the episode you're listening to right now, click where it says the Mom Hour just above the play button, and then scroll all the way to the bottom and you will see the ratings and reviews. We would love if you would leave us one as well. Thank you so much for listening.